Aim for tonight. T-C-T-A-T-K. To cause the audience to know that Jesus' death accomplished substitutionary atonement. Jesus' death accomplished substitutionary atonement. Maybe that's... uh, Some of you may be thinking, of course. Of course it did. Some of you, maybe that's not a phrase or a... a, a, It's a doctrine. it's It's a... popular or label or name of a doctrine that we subscribe to, the substitutionary atonement. And so what do I mean by atonement? A couple of definitions. At one mint. At one mint. Ooh, I hadn't heard that. (laughs) To make at one. Let me, here's what I, (laughs) to make amends, to set things right. That's just some Google um, definition to pay the penalty for breaking the law. That's my <coughs> translation to that, or my paraphrase. It means a covering. It does. It's a covering. That's good. Um, so there's a sin. Sin needs to be punished. Sin because of the ra- the righteousness of God, the wrath of God against sin. That sin must be covered. It must be atoned for. And then the why do we so then why do we talk about the substitutionary atonement? Because Jesus took that that he he made that payment in my place, in your place, in those who put their faith in Christ. Jesus took that his blood, his his death, satisfied God's wrath in the you know not for his sins but for the sins of others. The substitutionary aspect of it. So, how do I see that in this text? And I, I'm going to just focus on uh, really one one theme or one pattern, that, and then one little place in the text that I that a, my favorite British preacher pointed out, and I thought, "Wow, that's so good! I'm going to, have to share it with the group because I didn't see it. Um, I didn't see the structure, and I didn't tell the group that I was worked with tonight. I didn't let you know. I had to save something." <laughs> for the lecture, you guys would have just left, right? But the first thing about that, that was, I think, is um, unique. Maybe a little bit of a, a strong word, but but Luke's emphasis, more so than the other gospels, is on establishing Jesus's innocence. And you probably saw that. I may have did. I, I may have asked that specific question. Um, how many times did we see? How many? How many? Uh, how many times was Jesus essentially declared to be innocent? And it may be a trick question. Or let me put it this way: Who all in Luke's account in this chapter declared or recognized Jesus's innocence? So we had Pilate, right? Herod. The thief, one of the thieves on the cross, the centurion. centurion. So that's at least four. Mm -hmm. And Pilate stated it three times, I think, himself. And then one time he reported that Herod also agreed that he's innocent. So just you know, several times. I mean, that's the that's the, the one of the emphases that you see. This man's innocent, and that's necessary for him for Jesus to be the substitute. For the atonement, he couldn't atone for his own sin. If he had any sin of his, of his own, uh, he would be atoning for his own sin. Uh, and while we're talking about this, 
Go flip over. We need to we need to kind of see this in, in correspondence to Isaiah 53. You're familiar probably with Isaiah 53, which is that great suffering servant text that's maybe one of the most powerfully um, prophetic texts with regard to who Jesus was and what he who, what he accomplished in his death. Um, Y'all be reading, somebody be looking through there, because I didn't make a note of it, but where it talks about Jesus well, being, being, being perfect. Um, I just realized I don't have it noted, so I don't know exactly, I don't remember what verse it is. But just see, just hold that, be looking forward while if you're, not, if you're not listening to me. Um, you know, give you something else to think about. So Jesus was innocent. So then the thing, the uh, the second, the structural thing that I want to see to get to this 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 doctrine of substitutionary atonement, and it has to do with Barabbas. Verse nine in Isaiah fifty three. Yeah. Yeah. Righteous. What verse? Eleven. Verse eleven. He was righteous. Uh huh. Made an intercession for the transgressors. Verse 12. Uh-huh. So a lot in there. That's uh, This is wonderful. This is a different approach to a lecture. It's kind of a group, group uh, particip- participation. That's right. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, that's what you do when you don't know the answer. You get the group to, to uh, participate. I went, once went to a training class, and that's all they did. It was all like management techniques years ago at AutoZone. And after about two days, I realized they never said anything. They just raised the question and asked the group. I'm thinking, what are we here for? If you folks don't know something that we don't know, why are we here? Or why are you here, right? I know. Yeah. So what I'm giving you, so I'm about to give you something that I bet you didn't see in the text. And it is this. Um... Notice when when Luke begins to this is verse in the section verses thirteen to twenty five, which I call the sentence. I think in my divisions, this is where the sentence Jesus is sentenced. So he brings in the um, verse eighteen. And of course, Luke just before that, Luke says that you know verse seventeen. Now he was obliged to to release to them at the feast one prisoner. So Luke's given a little background to his readers, to his audience that may not have known that. Verse 18, But they all cried out together, saying, Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for a certain insurrection made in the city and for murder. And Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify Him. And He said to them the third time, Why, what evil has this man done? I have found in Him no guilt, demanding death. I will therefore punish Him and release Him. But they were insistent, with loud voices asking that He be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand should be granted. And he released the man they were asking 
that they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. So there you see that the repetition. He, he, he's already told us once about Barabbas that he was in prison for insurrection and murder. He tells us that again. But he turned Jesus over to their will. And before I finish my point about this, about Barabbas, uh, I had never paid attention or noticed. Apparently, that the way Luke writes uh, when he says he turned Jesus over to their will, that's a specific way of saying that that he did not uh, he he didn't deliver him over in a in a sense it's a different wording than Matthew and Mark use in this particular wording it, it's the emphasis apparently is that he just handed Jesus over to the Jews for them to do now obviously it, they couldn't phys- they couldn't themselves personally or directly execute Jesus but the language is such that it, it put the he it, it was the way of saying I'm going to let I'm going to give you let you have your way with Jesus. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not sentencing him to death because he's guilty. I'm just letting him let you do have done to him what you want to have done to him. But back to Barabbas. The point was that this guy made and thinking again about substitution, the, what Luke is showing us is he brackets the part about Jesus being crucified people calling out for Jesus' crucifixion, that part of the story is bracketed by Barabbas. And so he so Luke is wanting us to focus to see that and to focus in on the relationship between Jesus and Barabbas. And it just struck me that as as I read I listened to this guy talk about that and I was reading it to say, well yeah he's at least he's right with regard to the structure. That's it is true. That Luke tells us about Barabbas. Then he talks about Jesus, the group wanting to, the crowd called, demanding that he be crucified. And then he comes back to Barabbas. So, and I was thinking about that, um, at least in a physical sense. Because my, my first thought was, I was thinking, wow, Barabbas was released. Jesus died in his place. And my thought began to go, does that mean Barabbas was saved? Well, it doesn't say that, right? He doesn't say that. There's no indication in the text that Barabbas was saved. But, but at least on a physical sense, Jesus took the penalty, the death penalty, that was intended for Barabbas. Barabbas was in prison. And this guy, he, he said, now again, there's a little bit of conjecture. He said there were three crosses had been constructed, one of which had Barabbas' name on it. It was for Barabbas. And this guy, you know, he's kind of playing it up a little bit, saying, you know, he was in prison expecting to, to go to, to his death. He had eaten his last meal. And then he gets, when they come to get him, to his surprise, you're free. And he's just free. And, and another it died in his place. This, the innocent. <laughs> died in Barabbas's place and I thought wow that's powerful just as a physical illustration if you will of the spiritual the doctrinal truth of substitutionary atonement so again I'm not saying that Barabbas was converted necessarily and became a Christian you know came to faith like the centurion did we talked about that in our group the centurion I'm convinced came to faith 
Because he praised God. Certainly, that's verse 47. So, um, and I'm going to give you another example of, of this. Of what, Sometimes the gospel writers, give, they give us physical, you know, human illustrations of spiritual truth. And I heard another one years ago, and this, I, it, it always stuck with me, that when, when Jesus, and this is John chapter 11, I believe it is, when Lazarus, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, do you remember how that how that happened? You know, Jesus is there, friends, Mary, Martha, others. What did La- what did Jesus say? Lazarus. He called his name. Come forth, and one man came out of the tomb, and it was Lazarus. And the illustration was uh, the 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 uh, what's the doctrine regeneration the 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 power the word of God you know, Lazarus come forth that for me to to come alive spiritually Jesus had to call my name um, I thought I just I thought about it. that's probably ten years ago that I heard that and I just continue to think about. I think there's. I think that is a great spiritual picture. I mean, a physical picture of what you know. I think about that's John. John eleven. If you go back to John chapter ten, uh, it's where Jesus talks about the great, the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. Um, anyway, but I think that's. I, I, I'm convinced that um, that Luke is giving us this this account of Barabbas in such a way to draw our attention to the fact that he was supposed to die and rather than him dying, he was set free and Jesus died in his place, took his penalty. So that is the doctrine in, 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 in dramatic fashion kind of played out in, in real life, the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. I wonder if there's any other, uh, and that's all I've got to say, by the way. Another short lecture. Um, but before I before we wrap it up, I wonder if there's any other, just one or two of you, or three or four of you, just one thing from this text, that this chapter, that kind of stuck with you more so than other things. A little group sharing here. <laughs> Guess it works at AutoZone, but it won't work here. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. With that, I believe I'll close this in a word of prayer. I'll ask you a question. Why did you pick for your uh, cause the audience to know atonement over propitiation? I don't know the answer to that question. I, I thought about propitiation. And I thought about the difference between atonement and propitiation. Because here's my working definition of propitiation. It's, it's wrath absorber. That God... Um, it, it's, you know, God's... His justice requires that His wrath be poured out against sin. And, and I think that's the, the definition of, of Jesus being our propitiation is that He took that wrath... In his body. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus took it. 
And in fact, if you read Romans 8, I think it's 8, like verse 3 or 4 of, chapter, of Romans 8, uh, he condemns sin in the flesh. What the law could not do, God did, condemning sin in the flesh. And I've always, and when I read that, in whose flesh? What flesh? Well, Jesus' flesh. And I think that's what happened on the cross. That's why God, that's why Jesus cried out, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and why Paul said in first Corinthians, in second Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin. So all that, all that was transaction was going on at the time, at the, his death on the cross. So there's propitiation there. So why did I say atonement? Because, because I've always heard the phrase substitutionary atonement. That's my simple answer. Not I've never heard substitutionary propitiation. It makes me it's things that make you think. You probably could say, would y'all think would y'all agree? Substitutionary propitiation. Hmm. I just said Christ died for our sins. I didn't get all those big words in <laughs> <laughs> Gary? God the Son, in fact, God the Father, He's taken the place of the mediator. Hmm. Uh, he is the mediator between God and man. Kind of yeah. Like back on what you were saying. Yeah, kind of yeah. Kind of yeah. Excellent. Yep. Mark? Uh, I had always heard over the years, in and out of church even, uh, that uh, had it not been for Jesus, Okay, let me first, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've heard this, and I just wanted to get an accurate take, I guess, whatever, uh, that uh, had it not been for him, that he acted as sort of a shield against God's wrath, what God actually wanted to do. And it's almost as if the way it was portrayed to me here and there over the years was, even when I wasn't a believer, was uh, when you see Jesus went to God and he said, don't do this to them. I love them. I'm going to get my drift. And I'm going to take take care of this. I'm going to do this. As if, it's almost as if God was the bad guy. Uh Uh-huh. As far as we're concerned, he wanted to go ahead and do do it. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to do this. But that's not really... No, it's not. God was not the bad guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> go, go. Yeah. Um, well, can you sit at another table real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I that. No, I know, I know. But no, that's, that is actually... that That is a apparently a popular uh, portrayal of kind of how this whole thing happened is that God wanted to just pour His wrath out and Jesus came along with... The plan of salvation. Yes. Yeah. But I think, and I'm, I'm going to John 17. I'm not sure that's going to answer our question, um, but I, I'm, I'm confident that the scriptures teach, and I'll get back to you on it. That the, the plan of redemption was it, it was God's. It, it's a it's a covenant. God wanted it to happen. In fact, in fact, this may speak to it when Jesus prayed in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done. 
Well, the will that he's talking about is Jesus going to the cross. And so he acknowledges right there that God wanted to pour his wrath out on his own son, on himself, basically, if we think about the Trinity being one, one God, three persons. So it was God's idea. Genesis 3 talks about it. Yeah, um, that's a that's a that's a great thing to think about. No, no, no. That's the beginning table over there. <laughs> that is a popular. That is a popular thing. I spent most of my years out of the church, and a lot of people. There's a lot of misconceptions, a lot yeah. of mistaken notions about not only the character of God, but who God is, and the role of Jesus Christ. You wouldn't believe. Well, maybe you would. How many ideas there are out there about? In fact, let's go. I got one other verse, and then we'll then I will close this off. But let, I think Romans three as well. It's another great text that I remember just when we studied Romans a few years ago. In this thing, um, this is at the end of chapter three. Remember Romans one, two, and three. Colesman just finished a series in this church on that those three chapters. The, the importance of the doctrine of sin. And in verse, um, you know, we all know verse Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse twenty four, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption, His being being God there, God the Father, by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed as a propitiation in His blood through faith. That was to demonstrate His righteousness, God's righteousness, God the Father. Because in the forbearance of God, He passed over sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time that He, again, God the Father, that God the Father might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So my point in that text is, God put forth His own Son, Jesus, to be the propitiation so that God might be just and the justifier. Um, So I think that speaks to that question as well. I'm going to close it off right there. Let me pray for us. Father, we... uh, You know, every time, Lord, we see in Scripture, we're reminded of all that You've done. For on our behalf, that we might be reconciled to you. When we read in a, a chapter like tonight of the actual crucifixion, the, the, the miscarriage of justice and the, the execution of an innocent man, knowing that, the, that he was not just a man and that his death was um, planned in eternity, eternity past, and uh, our Savior was willing to do Your will, not His will, and go to that cross and take Your wrath in our place. We read these, this, these texts and think about it. Um, we need Your help to, to help us understand and to appropriate all that it means and to be amazed by Your grace every day.
So we just worship you tonight. Thank you for the salvation you've, you've made possible for us in Jesus. And we pray tonight in Jesus' powerful name and for his sake. Amen.